This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Kelsey Grammer is out with a new movie in theaters and on demand called Charming the Hearts of Men. I spoke with the five-time Emmy winner about his illustrious career from Cheers to Frasier and even Sideshow Bob in The Simpsons. Hey, Kelsey Grammer, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. How are you, Jason? I'm doing well. We're, we're talking the new movie, Charming the Hearts of Men, uh, in theaters and on demand. You and I know what it's about, but tell our listeners the, the basic premise here. Well, quickly, it's set in the South in the 60s. Uh, there's a, a congressman who has a, a good friend, uh, a woman he's always really fancy, basically, who uh, her father dies. And so we start out with that as the premise. But it's in the period of time when the civil rights um, legislation was being written and, and voted on. And there was one sort of glaring um, omission in the bill. It, was, it had been written only for men. And uh, this congressman, by virtue of his, um, well, this is the fictionalized part, uh, by virtue of his fondness for a certain woman, and for, he had always been a sort of a champion of women's causes, uh, introduces the word sex into the bill in a speech where he says that if this legislation goes forward as written, your mother's Sisters, wives, and daughters will be the only second-class citizens left in America. And uh, so it was voted on to include women by adding the word sex. And what it, you, you kind of discriminate based upon race, color, creed, or sex. Isn't that the way it always is? I mean, you know, it, it was all, back in the founding documents, it was all men are created equal. And then they do the civil rights bill and it's they leave out the, the word sex. So it's like they get full of themselves, you know, they just tend to skip it. And this is where the, the action of the film unfolds, basically. There's a moment when she says to her friend, the congressman, and we just call him congressman, she says, put women in. And he says, I'll be remembered as a fool. <laughs> and oddly enough, he has been sort of relegated to a, you know, a sort of a, a distant page in history. Wow. So, so who, who was this actually? I know you, there's fictional, you know, you, you have artistic. Well, it's fictionalized. I think his, I think his name was Congressman Smith, honestly, but he was a, he was a lovely, uh, lovely guy. It's just, he was a kind of Dixie crap, you know, uh, a man of his time. He served in two wars, World War One and World War Two. I mean, he was an extraordinary guy, uh, a bit of a patriot, I guess, but he, he, you know, was from the South and uh, uh, things kind of, he thought things were working just fine the way they were. And then he had the foresight and the courage to say, okay, let's, let's take a big step forward. And they handed over power and also included women, which is by virtue of his participation, it was written into law. 
Wow. And then, um, you know, the, 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 what is it? I guess Diane Ladd's character says it's not our business to tell them what they should do with their freedom, but it's our business to make sure they have the right to try. And it's, it's some powerful stuff. Well, I'm um, sure, sure agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, how much does your relationship with the, you know, the protagonist's father, you know, is that something as you as an actor, that's something you really latch on to. And, you know, that, that you're like, this is going to be my backstory. This is going to be my cornerstone for this bond that me and the main character are building. In well, order to- the real cornerstone for me was that he always loved her. Yeah. He always loved her, you know, even when it was probably not appropriate for him to love her. He just, he just, when she was, you know, that little girl running by when he was, you know, when he knew her dad, when he was a judge and, and he was a young congressman and a guy coming back from the war. I mean, he just always thought that girl lit up the world. And uh, of course, when she's a grown woman, uh, he's a little nervous about it, but she she basically lets him know it's okay. <laughs> and that's a, that's a nice thing. Anna, Anna is, is great in it, by the way. She's uh, just a terrific girl. Yeah, you both, you both literally light up the world, the characters, uh, by changing the world. Talk more about Anna in the lead role, uh, how powerful she is on, on screen. And then also, you know, a great supporting cast. We mentioned Diane Ladd, but also Sean Astin. I mean, t- d- dote on your cast a little. Yeah, it was, it was a great a great group of people got together. And uh, and honestly, it's a, the woman that, you know, wrote the film is a restaurant owner in Atlanta. She's an extraordinary gal and uh, fell on this story and wanted to write a movie. And she, I think she did a hell of a job. The script came across my desk oh, a few months before we finally started shooting. And uh, I just thought, boy, this is really interesting. Historically, it's interesting. But the the texture of the relationships and the sort of the, the sensibility about the South and the way, you know, the two worlds of, of uh, they were sort of drawn along lines of race, sort of functioned in a weird way during that time. It was uh, seemed to be nice for everybody in a weird way. I mean, I don't want to go like wax nostalgic about uh, uh, Jim Crow or anything, but uh, the um, the world functioned and it seemed okay to a lot of people at the time. But uh, you know what? Change had to come, and so this guy had the, the courage to say, "Let's let's change it." across the board nice and i know um yeah well i guess a couple years ago you won a tony producing broadway's the color purple now you're doing you know right. which more race relations but also some feminist themes in that too she stands up to the to her um her husband um absolutely yeah no no listen i, I think it's, i think it's a great it's a timely piece and uh, i think it shows you that people have been trying to you know fight this fight the you know good people have been trying to fight this fight for a lot longer than people now well, thanks for being uh, uh, adding uh, another, you know, entry into <laughs> into that fight. Yeah. Um, I know we're trying to fit a lot in in a short amount of time, so my listeners will kill me if I don't at least ask you about arguably the greatest sitcom of all time. Cheers. See, with you, I could say too. I could say Cheers or Frasier, but let's <laughs> start with Cheers. You arrived in season three and stayed, you know, until the end. But um, yeah. how welcoming were they? That cast was so great already when you joined in. But man, I mean, what made that show special? Was it just that vibe or? You guys felt like everybody knows your name just like us. I mean, what what yeah, made that you know so- what? It was it was the writing, honestly. I mean, they were great. And they they just were really and funny. And you know, the, the guys that started the show, the Charles brothers with with Jimmy Burroughs, uh, were arguably the best in the business at the time. And they had an idea to write a a show that you could listen to, and it would be just as good as if you didn't see it. If it was on the radio, they wrote that kind of a script, and. Uh, it was good, and they, you know, they, they, the the fact that it had this, it celebrated the camaraderie and the sort of the idea that you have your local, you know, that was a very cool thing. And my my guy was written as a device to break up Sam and Diane, <laughs> Frazier, and then um, 
they, you know, they realized he had more comedy mileage in it. So, you know, as Woody Allen says, funny is money. And so. <laughs> and for Dr. Frazier Crane, it gets uh, arguably uh, the most successful spinoff of a TV show ever. I mean, it wins what, like five straight best TV comedy Emmys and you yourself won what? I think four uh, no, acting. How you did all right. How satisfying was it each year? I mean, you're going up against freaking Seinfeld and friends and all these Titans that, you know, in any other era would easily be the best show. Was it, was there, was that just extra satisfying or did it get awkward after a while? Like, man, man, Seinfeld should win one of these. years. <laughs> no, you know what? We never really thought about it much. I mean, it was just nice to see that people recognize the quality of the show and that, you know, we were, we were good at what we did. Um, I, I guess, you know, Maybe we had that sort of underlying thing. We weren't always the, we weren't ever the favorite. We were like sort of the underdog a little bit. And then of course, then it sort of changed Then a narrative changed. And then they, they, they changed all the, the voting rules and made sure we couldn't win another one for a while. And it was pretty funny. So we never won another best show after the first five. Well, it's like Bob Gibson in baseball. They changed the pitchers, man. They changed the rules for you. And then you know you're you're the all-time great. No, you've done something pretty great. Yeah. Exactly. They changed TV <laughs> rules for you, the Emmy rules. I it, so Frazier got the spinoff. Was there if there was another Cheers character you would have loved to see get a spinoff, which would you think would have done the best? Oh gosh. I you know, I never really thought about that. I mean, there was the Tortellis, wasn't there? Oh, but that was that was uh her husband. That was Nick Tortelli. Right. Uh, Rhea. I'm talking the main, main characters. If, if yeah, there was right, another right. one that could have gone toe-to-toe with, with Frazier. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, I mean, certainly Ted you know, could have done something. Sam, maybe. but uh, or, or maybe Rebecca. Rebecca was funny as hell. Um, I don't know. They're all great. Norm, everybody. Everybody's yeah, great. Uh, well, final question before we wrap it around back to Charming Hearts of Men. Um, I got to know about Sideshow Bob and the Simpsons, Krusty the Clowns, and Devilish Sidekick. How much fun was was voicing that role? I mean, you, you're so known for Cheers and Frasier, and then all of a sudden you get this animated role. How cool was that? Right. Well, it comes from, you know, I mean, honestly, Sam Simon was a writer on uh, Cheers. And he just called me one day and said, we've got this role. I think you're great for it. Will you come in and do it? And I said, sure. So that's that's how it happened. And then I, I saw in the character something funny that reminded me of a person I knew years before and someone I had sort of logged away in my memory as, as, a, as a character I would play one day and sort of, you know, rip him off, right? <laughs> and uh, that was Ellis Rabb. And uh, I did it. I did an impression of Ellis, basically. Oh, but there you are. And uh, <laughs> I had some wonderful afternoons with Ellis when I was working on his apartment, painting his apartment, you know, doing some carpentry and stuff. And uh, he was a, a one-off. He was an extraordinary guy. Thank you so much for just doing a Sideshow Bob impression on, <laughs> on our interview. Well, <laughs> tying it back around, I know you're a busy man and we got to run. So uh, sort of, you know, final seconds. Uh, why should our listeners tune in and check out Charming Hearts of Men? What separates it, you know, from all the other stuff streaming right now? Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it, well, it's, a, it's an historical piece that, that is fairly accurate. It, it describes things without beating you over the head. It is romantic, and I'm in it, and Anna Friel's in it, and, and the rest of the cast members you mentioned are in it, and there's some really powerful stuff in it. I mean, uh, some, some perspective you might not be expecting from, from that time that I, I think is probably accurate. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an entertaining experience in a comprehensive way. Awesome. And the fact that we can watch it at home means you can watch it while eating some tossed salad and scrambled eggs. There you go. There you sir. go. <laughs> 
I'm sure you never heard that pun in your life. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Kelsey Grammer, for, for joining yeah. us and talking uh, your whole career in, in a short amount of time. We fit a lot in. So thank Thanks, you so Jason. much, sir. My pleasure, man. Best of luck with the movie. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.